It's been another stressful stretch in the Senate session, fighting for the COVID stimulus, keeping the government funded, and seeing two transfer of power in the United States presidency. With us today is Oregon senior United States Senator Ron Wyden, friend of the show with an update and perhaps a holiday wish. Welcome, Senator Wyden. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Good to be with you again. So first of all, how are you? Any holiday plans? Any, any ugly Christmas sweaters you're hoping to don? You know, it changes every 15 minutes. You know, last night, late, Trump, who resisted our effort in McConnell, and particularly McConnell, to have larger um, direct payments to people, uh, Trump now says he's going to veto the whole bill. It's not getting him what he thinks ought to be done in terms of direct payments. Now, we'll see what McConnell wants to do, but we advocated exactly that for quite some time, and McConnell just stonewalled and that's just the latest development. And then um, we're officially back in at the beginning of next week, but it's changing every 20 minutes. So, and that's why we're really glad. One of the reasons really glad to have you right now, because yeah, what's your impression of what's going on? I mean, the, the Democrats in the House passed a relief package that had larger direct payments months ago. Y'all were advocating for larger direct payments for months now, finally, there is a finally there is a bill with smaller direct payments. Does it do you think that like Donald Trump just wasn't called by McConnell or he didn't call McConnell or he just looked at a poll late? What do you think was going down? I, I think probably as much as anything, Donald Trump is really angry at Mitch McConnell because Mitch McConnell finally, after waiting for weeks, said that the election was over and Joe Biden won. And so Trump didn't like that. And Trump said, you know, who cares about anybody else? You know, I'm just gonna put McConnell in a vice, which he has um, done. And shoot, I, I thought Nancy Pelosi said, let's just ask unanimous consent to raise the amount to what um, Trump's talking about. Good, let's get more help to people. They're, they're hurting, as you know. Um, I wrote the law establishing uh, for the first four months, $600 extra in unemployment insurance, help for gig workers and self-employed and independent contractors. And McConnell stonewalled that for months after um, July. And uh, finally he entered some negotiations because he was worried about Georgia. And we pushed and we pushed and we pushed and got it to $300 extra per week. It's only half of what I got originally. So. Um, now, obviously, Trump thinks he's getting back at McConnell, but, you know, go figure. It's, um, it's Washington, and uh, there are a lot of agendas. So recapping just a little bit or picking up what we heard you say, the, the, you think McConnell would have been down to pretty much zero out. The... That, 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 that is what his initial position was. And from the very beginning, they said, you know, all this stuff we're asking for, these are people who ought to be working and shouldn't be getting unemployment. And unemployment's big disincentive, you know, to working. And so I'd go to the floor and I'd say, okay, the law that I wrote, establishing the extra $600 a week, each week, and the coverage of people who'd never been covered, unemployment law written in the 1930s. Mitch McConnell just resisted and resisted, and he would always say, we don't need this because um, these payments the, under the law I wrote are a disincentive to people working. So I would go to the floor, for example, and I'd say, I see no evidence of that. 
Oregonians want to work. Employers want to put them to work. And um, if Mitch McConnell was right, after the benefits expired, then all of those people that he, in effect, was kind of suggesting are freeloaders go back to work. That didn't happen because the jobs weren't there. Yeah, it turns out it, it turns out we had one more data point supporting your position. So now we are waiting to see what happens. It seems like the timeline of this uh, is now all sort of messed up. Do you? What are the scenarios that you see? Obviously, I well, I, I don't say obviously. I assume negotiations are happening right now. Talk to us. Maybe you'll have predictions, but I'm not even asking about predictions. But even just scenarios, possible scenarios, looking forward. Well, I guess. Uh, Trump and McConnell are going to have to settle on on whether um, McConnell wants to, in effect, use an expedited procedure, what's called unanimous consent, and just get um, the amount up to where Trump's um, uh, interested in going, and which is what I and other Democrats suggested months ago. So that's one scenario. And then we have another exercise next week. You know, Trump's going to veto. Uh, the defense bill because it doesn't include um, Section 230, which this law, which which is the law that I also you know authored, trying to uh, make sure, uh, particularly that people who didn't have deep pockets and didn't have political power would have a chance to be heard online and wouldn't be squelched by uh, by the big corporations and their lawyers. With the uh, with the look to Georgia, the entire Senate, in fact. Much of the prior, many of the priorities that you've been thinking about for years, many things that Oregonians been talking to you about for years, seem to be resting on what's going to happen with voters in Georgia, Atlanta, suburban areas, etc. And now, all of the decisions being made by Mitch McConnell and, well, heck, I guess Trump have to be with an eye to that. Had there been zeroed out uh, benefits, had there been zeroed out direct payments. That might have, well, as you're saying, that might have significantly impacted that vote. What are you hearing about Georgia? And how does the timing of the COVID negotiations, the relief, the stimulus negotiations, impact that and vice versa at this point? Well, I, I think Georgia voters have a lot to digest in terms of looking at the Washington scene. Let me give you an example. Parachuted in at the last minute, Steve Mnuchin insisted on 100% tax deductibility for the wealthiest CEOs to get tax write-offs for their steaks and their martinis. Comes in at $6 billion, $6.3 billion, according to the Joint Committee on Taxation. At the same time, the Trump people really weren't interested in helping the neighborhood you know, restaurants, the kind of folks that we have you know, all over um, our state. And of course, they wanted to hold down the benefits you know, for the um, safety net, like unemployment insurance and help for renters and the like. So I hope the Georgia voters are going to look at this scene in D.C. and see that we were taking you know, Trump on and said we don't need to spend $6 billion. Jeff, it was so excessive that the Wall Street Journal editorial board yesterday said it was ridiculous for Republicans to ask for $6 billion in extra tax write-offs for those wealthy CEOs for their steaks and martinis. We should have been getting that money to people who are hurting in the SNAP program, the anti-hunger program, the UI program, and, and raising that $600. So um, we'll see what Georgia 
voters have to say here in a couple of weeks, but I'll tell you our secret weapon is Stacey Abrams, who of course um, is an extraordinary political organizer, a voice for people without power and clout, without deep pockets. And uh, she, uh, she's an incredible force to be reckoned with. In the negotiations, what are some of the issues that got away in the final version of the bill? What are some of the, in the puts and takes in the negotiations, uh, things that got that, lost? One that I think your listeners are probably paying attention to is, you know, Pat Toomey, who is going to be the Republican point person on banking in the next Congress. Again, we don't know who's chair, who's ranking minority member. He kept trying to limit Joe Biden's ability to get funds out for job creation, infrastructure, and all the things that we really need to, to help people. It's a pretty complicated issue involving the powers of the Fed and Treasury and the like, but make no mistake about what was going on. Mitch McConnell and Pat Toomey working together were trying to limit the ability of Joe Biden, new president, and a new Congress to really get help to communities and people who are suffering. Let's talk a little bit about appointments, about what's happening in the cabinet. What are what are appointments that surprised you most or heartened you most? Any discussions you've been involved in? What are we learning? Well, you know, obviously, um, Janet Yellen would probably be um, right at the top of the agenda in terms of importance. And she is well-received by everybody in the uh, Democratic uh, uh, Party, you know, left, right, center, every, everybody. That's going to be absolutely key because I'm still sifting through um, the appointments um, Jeff, but the single biggest challenge for Joe Biden, Janet Yellen, and everybody in the um, cabinet, everybody in the um, cabinet, is to not take our foot off the gas in the middle of an economic recovery. We've got to ensure that that uh, extra um, effort in terms of infrastructure and housing and childcare, you know, the bread and butter issues that Oregon families are talking about that money actually gets out there. So that's the big message that I'm taking away in terms of um, what our big job is with everybody in the cabinet. What do you see as first order of business as we move into the new year? Obviously, I think we everybody thought when we headed into the uh, Christmas and New Year's holiday that there would be something in Oregonian stocking, something in American stocking, some version of him. Maybe there still will be. Obviously, there's strong incentive. I might as well just ask, what's the percentage chance you think, if you were an odds maker, which I know you're not, but if you were an odds maker, what's the percentage chance you think there is a deal that gets done, or at least prior to New Year's? Well, I, I think Mitch McConnell is a very savvy a parliamentarian. And I think that he's trying to make up his mind right now what's best for the Georgia election. And Trump is really saying, what's best for me? You know, I wanna try to look as powerful as I possibly can at the last minute. So Trump, and by the way, Trump was the force for the uh, tax breaks for the wealthy CEOs for their stakes and their martinis. He'd been hammering that for ages. He thinks an economic panacea Jeff is giving tax breaks to CEOs for 
um, buying their steaks and their martinis and, and the like. So the issue to watch is the back and forth between Trump and McConnell. And uh, suffice it to say, the bill that passed is sure as hell not the bill I would have written, but um, certainly um, on a number of key issues. I'll give you an example. I got a $3.2 billion package for helping low-income folks get broadband. Now, the uh, way the bill is written, it's a $50 a month subsidy for low-income folks to improve connectivity, particularly for schools and making sure their kids can learn and getting help as they're um, working remotely. Now, that is the kind of priority that I think Democrats and people who are paying attention to the show really care about. So uh, you bet uh, the powerful and the special interests with the martini lunches and, uh, and the like, their package is twice as big as the broadband package, but a lot of um, homes where um, folks are walking an economic tightrope in Oregon, balancing a food bill against a fuel bill and a fuel bill against a rent bill, they're going to really benefit from my broadband package. As you look at the dynamic, now we know the dynamic in the Senate rests on what happens in January in Georgia. That means the dynamic in Washington is impacted by that deeply. But the dynamic in the White House is already on its way to shifting. For you, for Oregonians, what do you see as the most relevant shift? And I don't just mean the tenor of the country or the conversation, et cetera, but things that will actually have the biggest impact on, on your constituents, on voters, et cetera. How do you see that dynamic shifting come end of January? Well, I, I think the big difference is Joe Biden has a track record of saying that America is at its best when you grow the economy from the middle out. You know, Donald Trump, when you took away all the rhetoric and, and, and the bluster, was basically a trickle-down guy. That's what the 2017 tax bill was all about, is give all the permanent breaks you know, to the powerful, give the modest ones the middle class. They were you know, temporary. And I'll give you an example, Jeff, what the big difference is. I have for years, because I'm the ranking Democrat on the Finance Committee, said that there are two tax codes in America. There's one for the firefighter and the nurse, they have their taxes taken out of every single paycheck. No Cayman Island deals for them. You know, it's uh, mandatory. Then there's another tax code for the high flyer, the people who make most of their uh, money on capital gains and the like. And if they use their accountants, to a great extent, they can pay what they want, when they want to, and often hardly anything at all. So I talked about this for years. In the home stretch of the campaign, Joe Biden said, let's treat investment like wages. And when I heard it for the first time, I said, yes, now we've got um, somebody who's going to be president of the United States who's going to stand for tax fairness. Contrast that to Donald Trump's 2017 you know, tax bill with all the goodies for the people top. He, Jeff, he actually lowered the top rate for the people at the top. I'll tell you a little story about our state. In our state, in the 2017 tax bill, you know, when successful people would call a joke and say, well, you know, I'll raise my taxes too much. But I didn't have one successful person in Oregon, not one, 
in the run-up to the 2017 tax bill saying, I need a tax cut. Give me a tax cut. They would joke and say, don't raise my taxes too much and stuff like that. But none of them asked for a tax cut. And Donald Trump gave it to them anyway. And that's where the money went. Any last thought you have, any word you want to share with folks for the close of the year? Maybe it's about what's happening in Washington or beyond. I know we really appreciate the time that you've spent this year with us and the time that we've spent today. Any last word you want to offer people? You know, I'm, I'm an op, op, optimist. And um, I guess my wife often says, you know, when I walk into a room, she goes, here comes Mr. Sunshine. And what I'll tell your listeners is I think we're looking at a double dose of hope for 2021. And we all know that the vaccines are an incredible difference maker. And we know that, you know, Trump dragged his heels on practically everything connected with COVID. And now we've got the vaccine. So we're going to be in a position, I believe, that before too long, in a matter of months, not years, to allow our people to have uh, the opportunity again to be with families rather than to be, you know, restricted to who they're going to have dinner with, you know, at the at the Christmas, um, you know, table because of the concern about about COVID. So vaccines, um, hope number one. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, hope number two. So I think there's a by way of Oregon in 2021, I think there's a double dose of hope coming at us. The vaccine's going to make life easier for families and businesses and everybody. Everybody is going to find life um, you know, easier. And then I just gave you an example of how taxes are going to change um, in a Biden-Harris um, administration. So that's my kind of thought for 2021. Double dose of hope comes. Senator Wyden, thanks for giving us some dosage here. Thanks for spending this time. Really appreciate you. Have a wonderful holiday, a Merry Christmas, and a great New Year. And let's hope it is a great New Year. Happy holiday to everybody paying attention to the show. And thanks for what you're doing, Jeff. Take good care. Be well. All right. We'll see you.